Hey friends, just a little caveat before we dive into today's episode. So when editing my episode today, my wonderful producer Darcy said, hey Holly, sound quality is a little questionable. Can you send me the separate sound files? And I said, oh no, what separate sound files? And he said, Holly, what do you mean? And I said, this is why I have a producer. Long story short, sound quality of this episode is a little questionable only because I decided to rather than to do this one in interview format to actually sit in person with Patty, who is one of my good, good friends. And so because of that, the sound levels might be a little off. I know you're still going to love the episode, but it's important that I'm always transparent with you. So I hope you enjoy nonetheless. You're listening to Soul Talk, conversations with fascinating people on their relationship with spirituality. I'm your host, Holly Azapati. Guys, welcome to another episode of Soul Talk. I have a massive smile on my face. You can probably hear it in my voice. I am joined by one of my amazing friends today. And this is what happens when you're friends with me. You get roped into doing shit that feels uncomfortable. So welcome to Soul Talk, Patty. Thanks, Holes. This is very exciting. My first uh, podcast. And we were just saying off air, Patty, that you're channeling your nerves into excitement. Yeah, because I've always avoided anything, any situations like this. Yeah. Um, because I've never been comfortable like speaking to an audience. Yeah. I'm always good one on one. Yeah. But as soon as I know there's potentially others listening, I struggle a bit. Why do you think that is? Well, I had. Probably goes back to when I was at school, yeah. and I had a bit of an episode when I was up on stage. I had to do an assembly, which was like speaking in front of my whole year group, two hundred of my peers. Yeah, and I was like, I was, I wasn't like an, a shy kid or anything. I wasn't nervous, but when I actually got up there and then I realized that I had to speak. I didn't prepare anything. I was just reading off a page and I thought, oh, this is fine. I've got this. Yeah. <laughs> but then when I was actually up on the stage, I got so nervous that I started shaking, right? I started, mm-hmm. And the page was like going waving like this. Yeah. And, and then I realized I was going red and all. And then I literally fainted on <gasps> stage in front of my whole year group. How old were you? I was about 11. Oh my God, the inner child wounding. <laughs> I know. And I like fell behind the curtains. It was on a stage, like You're a theater kidding. stage. And everyone was like, is he joking or is he serious? And then they realized I was serious. And there was like a few gasps or whatever. Oh my God. Because um, I had a reputation for being a lark. And so they, people weren't sure. They were like, I, was, just... I fainted 100%. And so this has been something that you've had to overcome into adulthood speaking in front of large audiences? Yeah, I, I avoided it the whole way through school then. I, right. I, didn't, I just positioned myself in any situation that I didn't have to speak up. Well, that, I mean, it makes sense. This is what happens when we have a traumatic experience, and that's pretty traumatic, Patty. Yeah, so I, 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 start, I realized that I had, to over, I had to do something about it. Mm. And, and it was only recently, actually, when I was in America that I met guys who were, you know, saying to me, oh, you'd be great to work for us. You'd see you as a, in a sales role. And immediately I was like, nah, I, I don't think I could do it because that would involve presentations and getting up in front of mm-hmm. large audiences. And I was like, and then I shared my story with them. And these guys were like, oh, you should get on the Toastmasters. And then yeah. I was like, what's that? And they were like, it's global now. Like originated in America, I think. And now it's like worldwide. And so you did. So then when I got back from America, it was the first thing I did was join Toastmasters. How long have you been doing Toastmasters for now? Probably a year and a half. And is this your first podcast interview? <laughs> yes. Oh, buddy. <laughs> it's so good to have you. I love that we've already, you're like, this is your first podcast interview and we've already gone into a story. <laughs> and this is why I'm just so excited to have you on because your stories are incredible. And especially from a male's perspective, I know that I have a lot of women in my community and a lot of women listeners, although there will be men as well. Shout out to the men. But 
for those of us working in spirituality and consciousness, it's really um, it's really inspiring to hear a male's perspective of things. And something that I really admire about you is you've come from such a different background to what people would have anticipated. Like yeah. if people would have met you now and then know your story growing up, like I remember when I first learned about your upbringing, I was like, whoa, how, how do you even get here? So... We're going to journey today, Patty. But before we do that, a question that I ask everyone to kick off the podcast, even though we're well and truly in it, is what lights, what's lighting you up at the moment? What's getting you out of bed in the morning? What's inspiring you? I think it's just the, the unknown of what's, what's ahead. Yeah. Um, change is always something that I've um, craved, I, I suppose. Like, and I, I'm inspired to to see where I'm going to be in a year's time or even six months time, just the people that I'm going to meet and, you know, the, the relationships I'm going to cultivate and, and just, yeah, I, I'm pretty much just personal growth is mm. probably the biggest thing that I'm inspired by at the moment. Cause I realize that success is my own personal growth, not money, not title, not, you know, not the fancy car or anything like that. I know that if I can better myself, then I'm going to be better for future family, better for my children, serve others better. Mm. And it's a win-win situation. So I've been really f- focusing on that. Has that always been something you've been committed to or is it a recent realization of yours? I think I just naturally started to, uh, go that way once I had a bit of a transformation I was 18 years old I went um, left home to go to university I, I had went through a lot of struggles up to that point mm. and I realized that once I actually got to university and I was in a new environment there was all there was radical transformation that was that was actually possible you know yeah. I had this you know monkey in me shoulder for a long time yeah couldn't shake it off until i actually went to university you saw the potential that change could well it was it was the the whole thing about learning and going and actually bettering myself Mm. whereas in school it was cool to be it was like the opposite it was cool to be dumb and stupid and just and carry on yeah whereas when you go to university it's flipped it's like it's cool to be smart and actually know what you're talking about and Yeah. Well, let's talk about this upbringing of yours and the transformation because that's what I find most, I guess, inspiring about you. Um, But before we do, I'm sure there's plenty of listeners listening to that accent of yours and going, oh, tell us more. Patty, where did you grow up? Talk talk us through your childhood. What was it like? Uh, I grew up in Derry City in the northwest of Ireland and wasn't a particularly... um, rosy place to grow up in mm. but I didn't know any different I was a kid who had grew up with I had two older brothers an older sister and a younger brother who came along three years later and I had was blessed with a family unit that we got to experience lots of cool stuff when I was really young mm. and you know this the whole situation in Northern Ireland at the time like I said I didn't know any different and I just still enjoyed my childhood, you know, up to up to a point where mm. when things got maybe um, as most people go through struggles and maybe in adolescent years. So I um yeah, I grew up in Derry City, never left that the same house that I was in for eighteen years. Really? Yeah. The same childhood home. Absolutely, yeah. And when you look back on your childhood and you say, I mean you didn't know any different what do you feel like in hindsight are those differences to maybe someone growing up as a child in Australia versus Northern Ireland upbringing at the time you grew up? Yeah, I couldn't, like there was, there were still British soldiers on the streets in Northern Ireland at the time, but there wasn't as much violence as what there was prior to that. Mm -hmm. So the the troubles were kind of teetering out at that point. Mm -hmm. And for people who don't know what I mean, the troubles were an era in Northern Ireland where there was like, British soldiers on the street and there was a divide between Catholics and Protestants okay. and it was very violent and you know there was a lot of 
murders, bombings, people's lives ruined. Mm. And, you know, like I said, I didn't know any better. My parents didn't talk about it. They sheltered us from it. So, mm. but I went, I, I, I learned it on the streets and I learned it at school mm. from my peers, you know, and mm. what I realize now is the, the, the hatred that was bred into young people at that time. Really? It wasn't for me. I was lucky that my parents were quite neutral in the sense that they didn't get caught up in the violence. So I got, a, I, I always came back to a good family unit and good education for my parents. So they would always instill that in, in me, but, mm. and the rest of me, brothers and sisters, but being out on the street, you would learn something different and people had this, there was just a different, like I say now, energy, like I would never say that back then. I would have been like, what, what are you talking about? But when I think about it now, I'm like, that's what it was like growing up. Like people had, were so wounded by what happened. Of course. In the past that you, you, you know, it just, you, you learn to hate, you know, you don't, you don't, you're not born to hate anyone. You just, you learn that. Yeah. Mm. And so you're grateful for the upbringing that you had with your family because they didn't breed that or teach you that hatred. Absolutely. Which so is I, was, a blessing. I was very lucky in that sense that I could, you know, come back to the family home even though I was out, you know, getting up to no good mm. all the time. Can you explain <laughs> what you mean by that, Patty? What was your time like on the streets? Oh, look, you know, it's not like I was, um, it was, it went through waves, I think. Like, I, I got into trouble, like, pretty young mm. because um, many reasons. When I was, that's, like, always had two older brothers, John and James. I looked up to them. Always wanted to hang around with them and their mm. friends because we weren't, we weren't that far apart. Like, John's only four years older than me. James is, like, two and a half years older. Mm-hmm. Maeve is a year older. So we were very close in age. So I, I was, like, I probably wanted to do everything that they were doing while I was and a lot of that time I would have acted out in a way to get the, their validation and try to I could do it so um, I remember when I was a football match when I was playing with my brothers or whatever and I got into this row with this angry redhead kid he was about he was a couple of years older than me and, and of course I was I wanted to stand up to him like so that you know, I knew my brothers would respect me a little bit more than mm. and and they encouraged me to they encouraged they encouraged me and supported me in that in that what turned out to be like a, an organized fight that happened after the game. Really? So this was my first introduction to like um organized fighting. So street fighting is that what yeah, you described it? Well, it was just it was just like you know. People, two, two, two kids going at it, like, yeah. hell for leather. And that, was that a common thing growing up? Well, there was. Like, I saw a lot of fights break out where I grew up, and that was kind of normal. And then, not normal, but, I mean, it was it was there, and people, and this is why, this is why I always think back, like, why isn't Australia like that? You know, like, people, mm. and it's all, I think it's all because of the hatred that was bred into people. And it's, it wasn't even that people were fighting with, it wasn't the Catholics and Protestants fighting with each other. It was people, like, I grew up in a predominantly Catholic area and people were fighting with each other, you know? It was fighting for fighting. It was just fighting for, fight, for the, the anger that people had, right? Yeah. But I wasn't, I wasn't a fighter. I didn't want to fight. I, didn't, I wasn't an angry kid or anything. I just learned that, that I got a lot of, like, my ego was like, I got a lot of respect from fighting. And Here we go. People, you know, so that incident with the, the, the redhead, we literally went, we went round one, there, you know, and then like, it just happens. You're, you're in that fight or flight, like that of adrenaline. You're literally then, in fight or flight, and then you're out of it. And then, like you're like, oh, I don't want to go back in there. Fuck that, you know. And yeah. then my brothers are like, oh, I'm going again, you know. And then his mates are like, well, you, you go again. So then he's going, you go in again, and then you even though you both crack. don't want to, you both don't want to, and you just both have another crack. And I think we did that three times. You're kidding. So it was like basically three bare knuckle boxing rounds that we went, and people are <laughs> and, watching. Like, and people are watching it, and then. Yeah. And and then that's when the whole ego thing came in, where like people would talk about it, and then rumors would spread, and then you, you, you people who don't you don't even know would come up and be like, "Oh, I heard you got into a fight with such and such. Oh, you're a mad bastard." And then uh, and then that, and then I would be like, "Oh, that's cool. That's like self. That's like validation." It's like an identity piece. You yeah. become the the cool kid fighting in the streets, 
did that then become something that you sought out because it was a like mm. an identifying factor? No, no, I didn't. I still didn't like fighting. I was very much people person and I always like sought out friendships and because you're a Pisces. <laughs> I was always interested in, in people that were different and yeah. I you know, but I had this reputation that preceded me and people would like I will like I definitely wouldn't go out looking for fighting. No. But if someone this is kind of if you get if you say with me on this, if, if someone was worth fighting, mm. I they were bad mouthing me or they were aggressive towards me or they hit me first or something like that, then I would fight back or I would, I would you know then I or I would okay. I would oblige if someone said, Oh, such and such wants to fight you and I'd be like, Okay. Okay. Because it would be one, it would be the ego saying, Oh, well, you can't back down because you look soft. Ah. And two, oh, there's a good opportunity here to me to look to feed to feed me more you know it's so just it's just a fascinating conversation knowing you and who you are today and this is why i love that we're setting the scene of your upbringing because they're worlds apart can you share with us the turning point for you um yeah i think when i was there was two points it was when i was 16 Mm -hmm. um i had a sense there was a i was portrayed by close friend of mine which is similar to what I was talking about before in terms of like wanting to f- someone wanting to fight me for the reputation that I had or, or you know or maybe think he, he heard different he heard something about me instead of confronting me face to face he did it in front of like a large group really and, and I basically attacked me in front of like you know 150 people wow. and you know we fought for like a couple of minutes and then it was broken up but I, he hit, that first hit that he hit me was like busting my nose, broke my nose, and I was just like, I was just like, felt so portrayed. Yeah. Portrayed, and I was like, betrayal. And he was a friend of yours. Yeah, he was. He was like my best friend. And I was You're like, kidding. Oh, what the hell? Um. So then, then I went down a dark hole. At that point, at sixteen, I went and hung around in like different areas, like a less, like more deprived area, like people who. That, you know, I had very tough upbringings. Okay. I, tr- I was more, because once I got a sense of the belonging with, with those, because I felt like a lot of the friends that I had, I was like, well, I felt they betrayed you. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, the people, because it was a large audience and no one like called him out for it. And I just felt like, I just felt they all betrayed me and I just was like off every single one. Okay. And so then you went down and found people who accepted you. Yeah. But you said it was a dark place. It was a dark hole. Yeah, like uh, that was when I started getting into like smoking marijuana and stuff at sixteen. Wow. And that you know, drinking every Friday and Saturday night on the street. Wow. A lot of fighting broke out in those situations as well. Just, just in the nature of the environment, I was more like tribal stuff, like just different streets fighting with other streets. Like was it was it always? Like, you say suburb here. We just say like. Yeah, well, so it was sometimes like there would be a fight bro- would break out between someone from this area and then someone from a different area, and then and then it would be like, all right, gather your, it's like gather your gather your lads, gather your men, and we'll go and fight them. Like you meet at a, a midway point, and then <sighs> luckily I didn't get myself in those situations. Like I stayed away from organized fighting. That was just. That, that, you had a conscious, I was conscious effort. To, I was just like, nah, I can get out of that. You know, mm-hmm. that's just stupid. Like, it's like, um, was that when it got quite dangerous? Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, it's pretty, pretty bad. Okay. Um, so then, then it was like, but I was still at school, and I was, I was doing my last two years of school, and I was, I was just like, no, nah, this, I need to focus on, on, on something. It was probably more so sport that got me out of it. Mm-hmm. So I played football, Gaelic football, I even played golf uh, competitively for, for wow. ages, which just sort of kept me out of trouble. Okay. And and then I, when I was in my final year of school, I my one of like he wasn't my closest friend at that time. We were we we sort of grew apart, but we were like buddies from day one on on a first year in school, and he killed himself, mm. and that was like. Two months out from our, or it was like two weeks out from our school formal. You're kidding. And I could, uh, that rocked me like big yeah. time, you yeah. know, and because I was already in, I was already in a fragile state. I was like, oh, have I wasted away my adolescent years? You know, I, I was, 
uh, like I was below average in school at that point. Mm. Um, and then I was like, how could he, like he was actually top of the school. He was like, everyone loved him and he was, his grades were unreal. So I couldn't believe that he could do that. And then I started questioning my life and all this, like I went into a dark hole at that point. And mm. I remember I was just, was just in a state of apathy where I was like, oh, this is just, was just nothingness, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, and I remember my two older brothers were home that weekend because they let, they were already off at university and I was like at home. I was like the eldest at home at, the, at that time. And I remember them just like slapped me around a bit like, what are you sulking on the couch for? You know, what are you, what are you doing? And then it was like they slapped me out of it and like, I was like, it was something just changed. Yeah. I don't know what it was, but it was around that, that, that moment wow. where I was just like, you know, I wanted sympathy. I wanted like, I want their, I wanted their, but then really from the tough love was nearly what she broke you out, broke of, me it. out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So then I, then, then I, um, I finished school and I went to, I actually went to a counselor. Yeah. Um, yeah. I started to see like, cause my mom was worried about me and there was this teacher at school who did counseling and he, um, he came, he came from a similar background. He's very spiritual. He even taught meditation and stuff. I didn't really get introduced to meditation um, much after that, but I remember he did one in a classroom. Right. It was quite cool. Yeah, especially in the Catholic area yeah. as well because that's quite spiritually it was, I was, progressive. I, I, would, I went to like a like – it was run by priests. You're kidding. Yeah. And they were talking about meditation. Well, not the priests. Not the priests, the counselor. <laughs> the counselor who was, he was evolved compared to the rest of the teachers. And that's why he was so good. Wow. Because he actually helped a lot of kids, you know, a lot of lads at school. That's incredible. And so from that, was that then the, the period for you to go, oh, there's another way. I don't have to go down this path that I've been heading down. I was climbing back. Like I had to a lot of making up to do. Um, I actually came out pretty good and I got like an A and two Bs in my A levels. Amazing. I got into the university that I wanted to in, in England and I was, that was, um, that was when everything started to look up, you know? How did you make the shift from spending your Fridays and Saturdays drinking and smoking and fighting to all of a sudden getting A's and B's and moving to England for uni? Well, uh, that's a good question. I see. I, I, for, the first thing I did was get a job in a bar uh, on a uh, Friday and Saturday night. Yeah. That kept me out of trouble. Was that your conscious thinking? Yeah, I knew what was good for me at that point. Like I was like, I was learning. Mm. And I think, again, sport was what helped me out of that because I did res- I did start to get into like the health healthy side of things. Like how do I perform better? Mm. Because that was a dream of mine was to become a professional soccer player. I was captain of the Derry City under 18 team. And that was a great way for me to direct my focus. But what I find so uh, admirable about this conversation, Patty, is that you got yourself out of it. So you had these moments of real challenge and you pulled yourself out. You had that level of self-awareness is that something that you've always had or did you have to cultivate that level of self-awareness? Oh, I definitely had to cultivate it. Mm. You know, I'm always learning and, and realizing a lot of things, aha moments, like mm. it's helping and it's, it's, it's helped me get to where I am today. Like being in a state of, like I would say I'm intuitive in a sense where I can, I can, I, I've made decisions that have just, Helped me so much, mm. and I was like, I always think back and say, why did I, why did I do that? Like, was there, was there a reason? You know, yes. because there's like you talk about those sliding door moments where I didn't make that decision, I could be in a completely different place right now. And do you feel like one of those sliding door moments was moving to England for university? Yes, that was very much so. It was, I had because um, my intention, my intention of going there was actually which were, when I was looking to universities, I was like, which of the best ones for partying like which is the best night like because i was i was you know i was like oh new so newcastle manchester liverpool you yeah <laughs> where'd you end up newcastle how was the partying oh unbelievable was like, <laughs> hey. oh. yeah so there was it was the bad that was probably that was an amazing time in my life like to go from you know going out in dairy and having to watch over my shoulder every night and, yeah you know not knowing, like having the reputation that I carried around, 
and then going over to Newcastle and being able to transform into a better version of myself. I'm smiling because we have this whole life experience that you've just shared with us and then we're chatting on your couch in your Bondi Beach apartment <laughs> two and a half years after you walked into my vision board workshop. That's right. We haven't even talked about how we met. How do you go from the experience you've just shared with us to the person that I'm sitting opposite here in in Bondi in Australia who is so happy to go to a vision boarding workshop by a stranger <laughs> on a Friday night. What led you here? What led you to Sydney? Well, once once I got the feeling, you know, university, I had that transformation and I was like, all right, what's the next thing? Mm. I didn't think most of the people I was uh, were in my course at university were all going to do, you know, straight into full-time work. Mm. They are all wanted to become accountants and I was mm. like, fuck that, I want to go and explore. And, yeah. you know, I just felt like the world was my oyster at that point because I had so many good experiences, met so many good people. So then Australia, I just, I didn't think long and hard about it. I just went, all right, where's easier to get to? Where's hot weather? Where's hot birds? It was just like... Was it one of those, again, intuitive moments where you're like, yeah, that feels right? 100%. I was, uh, it was, it didn't, I didn't doubt it once, you know. Interesting. It was like, I didn't have any money either. I was like, all right, I'm going to Australia with, because um, I just knew I had this energy that I would, that I would, that I would do all right, you know. Okay. And you landed in Sydney. Landed in Sydney. And, and I was like, I, what, what, you know, I was just in all of the place straight away. Yeah. You know, first morning I woke up, a bit hungover <laughs> from the hostel. Yeah. And, <laughs> And I was just got my runners on and just was like, which way is the water? You know, I was wow. at the central station and I was like, ran through botanical gardens and I was just like stopping strangers in the street going, hey, which way is the harbour? And they were just like, you know, going to work or whatever. And I was just, and then I did beeline for, for the opera house and I was just in complete awe of the place. I've never met someone who is more proud of where they come from. And I really admire that about you. Is that is that just, is that common in, you know, Irish communities or is that something that was instilled in you from a family sense? Like, talk to me about that because I find it really admirable. I think most Irish people are very proud of where they come from. Yeah. And I think it's the, the struggles that Irish people have gone through over time mm. is bred into us as well. Like the survival mm. and how we, you know, we got through some, some really tough times. So when you made the move to Australia, and again, intuitive pulling, you just knew it was going to work out. You probably weren't going to be home for a while, nine years later. <laughs> Were you in the throes of the personal development and spiritual work? Were you already reading the books and doing the practices or was that something that came over time? Mm, yeah, well, I don't think I was doing any of that stuff. Mm. Really, personal development. There was well, there were probably a few books that I read, but mm. nothing that um, you know that I could really say that changed anything in me. I was mm. I was very much um, in a I was on a good path, um, and there wasn't really many hiccups here. Like I'd mm. say, I think I went through yeah compared to what I was what I was doing at home. Mm. You know, all the struggles that I've been through before. I was like, I was. You know, I was I was just on cloud nine. I felt for a long time, and you know, once I got once things started clicking, it was just it was just constant. Like I was just thinking, good things were just happening all the time. You know. Yeah. Well, you are the kind of person that kind of life happens for as long as I've known you. Opportunities have followed you, and do do you do you thank anything in your life for why that is? Like you really do open doors. I think. Being open to, to to anything is what's helped. Like and, and understanding that you can learn from people that are so different to you. Mm. And you know, you give people the time. It's just the simple things of integrity and just giving people the time of day that mm. can open doors like you wouldn't believe. Like you just you don't you don't you don't know what can come of of a, of a conversation with a girl down in the coffee shop. You know, or what can happen when you um, you know, you meet someone at a, at, a, at an event, and, mm. and, you, and these all these little things accumulate. Mm. And, you know, like marginal gain. I realized that um, 
you know, these, these small marginal gains can get you very far. Absolutely. Well, it's it's really interesting because I, I think back to the beginning of our conversation where you mentioned that you're so, you know, you you have that level of resistance talking in front of large crowds. But for me, I know just approaching a stranger in the street and have, starting a conversation, that makes me nervous. So yeah. you're so good at it. What Like, is it because you moved to a foreign country and just kind of had to make it work? Practice does help. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Uh, but that was something that I was always good at, I think. Really? Tonight? It's funny that like, I remember I was telling my mom that I was doing this podcast with you, and she was like, Patrick, don't make sure you don't incriminate yourself. Like, <laughs> we can edit all the incriminating I like, stuff. I may have already done that. Sorry, Molly. Um, <laughs> now we, uh, she, that's what she said. She goes, I don't, she goes, uh, she goes Patrick, you, you were, I was just, you even had no problem running into the shop and, when you were like five or six years old and really? you know, she would send me back in if, if we forgot something or if, um, if she grabbed the wrong or she didn't pay for something or there's some, I don't know, like I would just, there's times where I, I would run back in and have no problem. Whereas maybe the others would just be like, no, I can't be bothered. You know, is and, that, do you put that to confidence or do you put that to not worrying so much what people think of you? I think I'm just drawn to experience and doing random stuff, you know, mm. Um, I don't know. Not, going back that age, I would not really understand that, to be honest with you. Mm. Maybe it was just, I, I it was confidence. It was just confidence. I don't know. Mm. But I mean, you know, but again, I'm good with small numbers, good with like individuals. Intimate like, connections. Because, you, you know, you can control that and we can't control it. You shouldn't try to control it anyway. But, Are you trying to control this conversation right yeah. now, Patty? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, ask me another question. <laughs> Let's pass this. No, what I want. But, but I want to go back to because you were talking about how the, the day we met and, and the manifestation yeah. workshop that you did. Yeah. And the vision board. So that was, I would say, that was um, a big, a big mole for me. Really. One meeting you and seeing how confident you were and how sure you were of yourself talking about something that's very like pretty out there uh, it's pretty out there and, and um i really it started it, it sort of clocked something with me like in terms of like the, the the vision board so you you're um that the whole the whole stories around you know when you make shit happen when you put when you put it out to the universe as you say and mm. and and um and that, that was when i realized that a lot of things that I was doing in the sense of, you know, positively thinking about things and not letting you delve into negatives. Because what, what if you think about if you delve on the negatives and you're, the negatives are going to happen, right? Exactly. So if you focus on the positives, you're, you're more likely, they're more likely to happen as a result. So, and you've already naturally been doing that just based on your upbringing, your life experiences. Australia, what Australia did for me yeah. was, was really... Um, where that you know where where I was like, oh, this is like something in this. You know. Yeah, what I what I love about I mean, there's so many things I love about you, Patty. But what I love is that you can. But one of the those is that you, on the surface, are what you would call just like an average lad in terms of like you love sport, you play golf, you play Gaelic football, you love to get on the drink with your mates, like you, li- you live in Bondi at the moment. We'll talk about what's next <laughs> coming up. Once this podcast out, actually, it'll be a very different story. Um, but you also meditate. Like literally, guys, before we did this podcast, Patty's like, how about we do a meditation first? So you have your daily meditation practice. You practice breath work, and we might even talk about that, oh. <laughs> that story. But you you are also so open-minded to the spiritual, to the esoteric. Has that always been the case for you? What shifted for you? Well, meditation was always an interest, mm. but it wasn't until I moved in with our good friend Genoa, we became housemates, and that when I learned his story, but going from like alcohol sales rep to meditation teacher, teacher I was like, all right, I was in his first group. Were you in his first ever group? Yeah. Isn't that one of those sliding doors moments where 100%. he came into your life and then you guys lived together for how long? Three years. So you were practicing meditation with each other. 
pretty much it yeah. for two years, two and a half years. And that vision board workshop is when I met him as well. Yeah, that's right. How crazy <laughs> is that? Right. And then that was just, I guess, your catalyst to unfolding other areas of personal development and spirituality. Yeah. I was. I think at that point I was already into the self-development and reading books that were going to help me, mm. more so in my career as well. But once I got really delved deep, deep into the spirituality side of things, I think probably one of the one of the big ones that you I know you're good big into is um, David Hawkins' book Letting Letting Go. Go. Uh, Doctor David Hawkins. This is when this is where I was putting all the my childhood stuff together, and I realised like um, what I was saying earlier about the hatred, right? Mm. And he talks about like letting go, right? And letting go is is correlates like forgiving, right? Yeah. So letting go. If we all experience letting go, and every human does it, it's like having an issue with your partner or your best friend, and you're having an argument, and you feel angry, and then you realize it's stupid, and you laugh. Mm-hmm. That's that's practically that's letting go, right? It's which a state change. Yeah, which is which is which is easy when it's something small, but when it's like unforgivable or deemed unforgivable, how do you, how do you get past it? And, mm. and what really hit home for me in that book was. There was a at Stanford University. A, a, it was a program called the Forgiveness Project. Yes, and they talked about the victims of Northern Irish parents. So, or sorry, yeah. So there was their parents of children that were murdered in Northern Ireland. Wow, were part of this Forgiveness Project. Yes, and they measured their cardiac health before the project. Yes, because they believed that it would change them physiolo- physiologically and 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 make them health, you know, they're, they're, that they're, this this hatred that they were holding on to mm. um, was causing them health problems. Mm. So they measured their cardiac health. Then they taught them how to forgive the so-called enemy, which would have been tra- like, oh I don't know how God. they got, I don't know how they, they got them to do that because, oh my, you know, they say that losing a child would be the hard, hardest thing that like, and knowing that it was someone else. someone else. Yeah. But they obviously taught them that you're causing yourself damage Distress. from 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 holding on to that hatred. And when they taught them to let go and forgive, they measured their health again and they were their like their cardiac health dramatically improved. It's amazing, isn't it? So like they were, it actually affects your 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 heart. Like, you know? And when you see evidence like that of this work and why it's important. Of course, like you said, it's like it becomes this almost addiction where you just yeah. want to learn more and grow more and evolve more. What are you reading at the moment or what are you focused on at the moment when it comes to personal development or, or soul growth? I try to do I, 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 a bit of everything, really. Yeah. I, I, I delve into lots of different areas. Like um, Spiritually, I was reading the book about golf in the kingdom and it correlates golf with spirituality. Really? Yeah, it's like fascinating. Um, book about this American guy who was traveling to India for some Vedic retreat, um, ashram or something, I can't remember, but yeah. he wanted to stop off in Scotland, which is the home of golf. Is Scotland the home of golf? Home of golf. I'm 47% Scottish, I'll have you 1% Irish, so, you know, we've got that in common. There you go, there you go. Not far, just across the water. That's it. Okay, so he went to, uh, to Scotland on the way. And he... Yeah, and he wanted to play this golf course and he met this golf professional who was taking a lesson and he was the most spiritual person that he'd met before. And he was like, he deemed himself like, you know, he was going to India, he was doing all this stuff. Well, there was this guy who was living in his home country, mm-hmm. hometown, home village, playing the golf course, teaching others. And his methods were spirituality. It wasn't, he wasn't teaching golf, he was teaching life and how to be, you know. Some goosebumps. And, and, um, and, and, you know, the, the whole, because I'm a keen golfer, I was, <laughs> I, was, I, was I, I could relate to it because it's such a mental game at the end of the day. Like, yeah. Yes, you have to have technique to play golf, but it's mainly a mental game, you know? And this is fascinating. Because, you know, it's... Um, well, would you recommend for the women listening to this podcast, if they're really keen on their the men in their life to kind of be more open-minded to this work and they like golf? Is that a book you'd recommend? Absolutely. What's it called again? Golf and the Kingdom. Golf and the Kingdom. By Michael Murphy. Michael Murphy. Great one, Patty. Yeah, that, the name sucked me in. I was like, he's not even Irish. <laughs> he's American. 
obviously from Irish descent. Obviously. (laughs) So what do your daily practices look like now when it comes to looking after your mind, your body, and your soul? My morning routine is get up and move. It's the first thing I do. Mm -hmm. So I do five minutes of mobility routine. Mm -hmm. Uh, I get and wash my face, brush my teeth. And then sometimes I'll journal. I'm starting to get better at that, but normally I'll just I'll go straight into a meditation at that point. Beautiful. And you practice Vedic meditation, yes. Vedic meditation. Mm-hmm. And then are you, are you doing any breath work at the moment? No, not really. Uh, <laughs> would, you like, would you like to share with the listeners a little bit of your experience with breath work? Oh, well, talk about transformation. I was, uh, I was in Tulum. Mm-hmm. As you well know. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, you can see the smile on my face. I love this story. I was in Tulum and I was going through a very um, difficult time. It was, yeah, it was all things were going around in my head at that point. And and I um, was staying in a place called Nomari and it was like a very spiritual center, one of the spiritual centers of Tulum. And they, their whole ethos was you get all this um, well, you get all these workshops as part of the room rate and this is a beautiful setting like right on the Caribbean like beach and it's on the bucket the list it's mm. got like the rainforest in the background and they had this amazing yoga I had two days there mm-hmm. and when I went first thing I walked into the, the into the place and I'm this Mexican concierge this white linen he looked zen as fuck and I was like <laughs> and, I've, I've and arrived I like, and I was like, he was like <laughs> he was just like Telling me, you know, what are you doing here? You know, you know, and he was he was interested in what why I was on my own. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was quite a couple kind yeah. of place. And and he um, he was all oh, we have to go to this talk tonight. It's um, it's on it's sexual uh, energy or something like energy lovemaking. I can't remember what it was, but I was just like, I don't think that's a good idea. I just broke up with my girlfriend. <laughs> this like, is not a like, No, even more reason to go. And okay. I was like, I was like all right. Um, and you'd never done breath work. Before. Never done breath work at all. I didn't know what to expect. So it was like ten o'clock in the morning. It was, you know, sun was out. Beautiful was day. All the people that were there to talk the night the night before. All the couples, you know, a few women were there on their own, and we we, we lay they laid down yoga mats for everyone, and she said, "Oh, we're going to do this on our backs, and we're going to do breathing through your." In and out through our mouths, right? and I was like, "What?" I thought normally you should just yeah. nasal breathing. Yeah. So anyway, I was a bit all right. Well, this is interesting. And then we, so she plays them. She plays. She got us around in like a circle, mm-hmm. and we all lay lay down. And she she played the music, and she, you know, basically just sort of soothing, chat, like stay present, breathe through. You know, it was and a patterned breath. It, it was like yeah. yeah, and I was like, all right. Um, here we go. Like, this is, this is going to be interesting because she said, said it was going to go for 40 minutes. I was like, are you serious? How are we going to do this for 40 minutes? Anyway, so within the first five minutes, I was like, I was like, because it was like all heavy breathing in and out through my mouth. It was like that hot, but I later learned it's similar to holotropic. Yes. Sort of stuff. Yeah. And I started to feel like this, uh, like electricity running through my body. I was like, whoa, what is that? Mm. And it was all mainly in upper body as well. And then there was, and then all the, the first yelp came from next to me. Some woman was like letting out, I don't know what she was, she just, yeah, like, and then it was, then there was more noises coming over from over there. And yeah. I was like, fuck, where am I? Yeah. <laughs> and then, I'm usually the one making the weird noises <laughs> in the circles like that. <laughs> Camera light. So, but, but the meditation, like my meditation practice helped me keep, stay present. Beautiful. Because she kept reaffirming, she kept, you know, saying, "Stay present here, come on." Um, but you know, and 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 I just kept, feel, I just felt this electricity running through me, and and then I and then and then I then something came up over me after about ten minutes that that I was like, "Oh my god!" And I felt like I was going to cry, and then I tried to fight. I tried to like, I clenched, tried not to let it out, and it just it all came out and I just cried for like a couple of minutes and mm. it was just like ultimate relief mm. I was like oh my god well like what was that you know mm. and and then but we were still in the breath work because I was done I was at that point I was like I got what You're I did like, I'm out I'm out 
and it was like, well, now we're, we're still in it. So the, the electricity all like in the body or what it felt like sort of passed a bit at that point. So once I got back into the breath, it took another 10 minutes or whatever to get going again. Mm. And I was, yeah, it was just, it, it, it was pretty amazing experience. Like I went through many states up to that point, mm. you know, like what, what my mind wandered slightly, but then I would always come back and just be like the energetic feeling of amazing. Yeah. And then, and then where the then things, then I started to feel like a different type of energy. And my body was like, was like shaking at this point. And, and I remember lifting my legs up slightly. So I was, you know, my knees were up and, and because I, I felt I wasn't feeling as much in my legs, but then once I did that, my legs were like shaking, shaking and I was tremoring. And I, I, that, that's when the full body started to go nuts. And I was like, Oh, what the fuck? You know, and naturally I, you, you stop at that point. Cause it's like, you feel like, Oh my God, where am I going with this? But it's cause you have, it's cause you have someone there with you. She's just like, Holding continually you, go, you know, continually uh, saying, Carry on, like keep breathing, blah blah. And you think she's talking to you personally, but there's like twenty. Everyone's <laughs> <The> tremoring. <laughs> and and then I had this feeling that come up that was just like, and I, I just something hit and triggered in my mind about what uh, BB, the director of wellness, said the night before about breath. When you feel, when you start to feel that orgasmic feeling, just breathe into it like continue breathing and that's what that feeling was and I was like whoa knew what the feeling was and then I was like so I went with it and I breathed kept breathing and it just the the, the whole the whole body just felt like it was tingling and, um, and it was just like this rush and it was you know eventually I I actually came in front of everyone there but brought yourself to orgasm with the breath with just breathing and it was just like then. Then I was just like, all right, I'm done. Like, oh I, I, was, I, was, I cried. I breathed really weird. People making weird noises, and now this. No, well, actually, that's not true. <laughs> I was, I was honored. Has that happened to you since? Have you done more breath work or any medias where that that's yeah. come close again? Yeah, it's when, when I was probably probably took six months mm. after I, I experienced it again. It's a it's such a gift. I think it's something you should be really proud of. And you know what? I know a few people that that have had similar experience. This is what tantra is all about, right? Well, that's what that was the other part of the conversation the night before. She was talking about all the tantric. For the listeners, what's next for you? What's on the horizon? Well, with this time in two weeks, I'll be in Los Angeles, relocating. Mm. for um, Equal Outdoor. Mm. So I'm going to be there for at least a year and I'm heading up the finance and operations of that business. Amazing. And it's, um, yeah, it's another opportunity to shift up another gear, you know? Well, this is what you do, isn't it? Like you follow the intuitive needles even, and there has been resistance that's come up. I mean, a lot of people would say to you right now, oh, you're moving to LA at the moment. <laughs> like at time of recording, it's November 2020. Um, but you're trusting in that that knowing, and I find that really inspiring. What would you tell Patty at 16 years? Uh, get, out of, get out of your head, man. Forget about the your ego and and just you know if someone says something to you that's bad or you know it's not it's, it's okay you know mm, mm. and forgive probably as well beautiful forgiveness is big big part of letting go look at you. I can't believe this is your first ever podcast, Patty. Watch all the invitations come in from here. Thank you. <laughs> for stretching yourself out of your comfort zone. I know that these words are going to help so many people listening and for being so vulnerable as well. It's a very, very admirable trait um, and I adore you. And I feel like one final piece of wisdom from your heart or from your intuition, because you are so intuitive, what do you have to share with the listeners in this moment right now that feels just very true for you? Uh, I would just say that, I'm very lucky to have met you and to have an opportunity to have conversations like this. Yeah. Is, I'm, 
um, implore people to to reach out to people that, that that are different or you know engage with people who you wouldn't normally associate with because there's so much learning that you can gain from it and have amazing relationships with those people. I second that, the value of the connection that we have and then you and Trent and then just the, the whole yeah. community that we've built off the back of, yeah, taking. It's lifelong. It's, li- it's forever. We're family. We're guys, <laughs> guys, we're doing a really awkward fist bump right now. You can't see it, but it's there. I love you, Patty. Thank you so much for being I on the show. I love you too, guys. How beautiful is that man? I mean, he has an Irish accent, he meditates, he ticks a lot of boxes, (laughs) not to mention his beautiful, beautiful heart and soul. And to be honest, Patty was one of the first guests that came to mind when I decided on Soul Talk because his story is one that no matter your gender, no matter your walk of life, is so relatable in that we don't have to follow the trajectory, hard word, of our upbringings and we can break through cycles and limitations and create lives that are so not what was in store for us growing up. And I just, I love the piece around him growing up in, you know, Northern Ireland and the fights on the streets and not going to school. All of a sudden he's in university. All of a sudden he's in Australia coming to a manifestation workshop and he's orgasming in a breathwork circle in Mexico. Like this to me is is what life's about. It's about seeking experiences that are laced in charm, in gold, in intuitive knowing. And I really feel inspired by Patty's story when it comes to just getting a feeling and going with it. And at the time of this airing, he's, he's left to LA because that's just another one of these intuitive knowings. And I just really love being surrounded by people who follow that gut not knowing where it's going to lead, but knowing we don't have to know. And the joy is actually in the experience of trusting, in following that intuitive knowing and in surrendering to the magic that's in store for us. Because here's the thing, my loves, you can't construct magic. You cannot plan for magic. Yes, we can project what it is we want out of our lives. Yes, we can visualize and we can create the vision boards and we can connect with ideal versions of our lives. But when it comes to the opportunities, the connection and the moments that are sprinkled in this gold, in this magic, they are the moments you cannot plan for. So how do you get more of those moments? You listen to the niggles. You get out of your own way. You pay attention to that inner knowing of there's more to life than this or I am not my past. And Patty has all of those things and more wrapped up in a beautiful Irish bundle of joy. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed the episode as always, my loves, and I'll catch you when I do. I'll catch you when I do. (laughs) Big love. You've been listening to Soul Talk with Holly as a party. Enjoyed today's app? Remember to share, subscribe, and leave a little rating if you like what you heard. And join us over on Facebook. Just search Soul Talk with Holly as a party. Until next time.